Hey, welcome to this week's Voice Restoration Podcast. We're going to talk about the prophetic today, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. Welcome. If you're watching, if you'll please subscribe um, and hit the notifications button, like the video, all that stuff. That would really help us. Let's talk about the prophetic. And by the way, if you have a question, go ahead and post it in the comments. I do have it up there, and I will try to get what get to you on those as quick as I can. But let's talk about the prophetic and why. Um, there are so many misconceptions about the prophetic as if that uh, one, of, one of the biggest misconceptions of the prophetic is this is that if a prophet prophesies, the word must come to pass. And that is not actually true. When God, when I was trained by Randy Letcher uh, uh, to be a prophet, and, you know, Randy didn't make me a prophet. You have to be called. But you also look at, there's a principle in this. Uh, God calls men, uh, God anoints men appoint, was the phrase we always use. In other words, you should be recognized by others. If if your recognition is me and my girlfriend were praying and she said I was a prophet and um, and now I'm a prophet, that that's not good enough for this, for a fivefold ministry calling. No one's going to, by the way, let's just put it this way. No one's going to put you as the head of a congregation and call you a senior pastor because your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your friend told you that. No one's just going to do that. But for some reason, the two, you know, what I think are two of the foundational um, uh, fivefold ministry callings, which is the um, apostle and prophet, we can do that. And I, I think that's a mistake because no one's doing that with the other three, you know, but somehow an apostles and prophets, you know, it's, it's, uh, God told me, God told me, and for six years, I wouldn't call, I actually, for nine years, I didn't call myself that until Randy uh, uh, appointed me uh, and with a, with a presbytery of apostles and prophets. So, it's really important that you understand that and that you go through that. And um, But I want to deal with this thing that um, how do we judge prophetic words? Why is it that, you know, if you're going to wait to see if a word comes to pass or not, to see if the word is true, you are already in error. Because why? Well, because how are you going to, um, how are you going to sit there and, um, um, be in faith when you weren't in faith the whole time you're waiting for the word. In other words, part of the principle of bringing things to pass is to be in faith and to believe what God has said. But if I don't believe what God said and I'm in doubt and unbelief, then I'm really not co-laboring with God in that. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple examples in scripture. I'm going to just talk about this because it's really important. It's really important. When we when we gave prophetic words, and when I still do today, what are prophetic words? They are God's plans, his, um, his desires for you, and they are designed that you, walk on, that you walk towards that prophetic word. In other words, if God called me, and God did call me, and told me I'm going to be a prophet, I began to prepare everything in my life for that. I didn't just sit by and say, well, no one's, told me, no, no one's made me a prophet yet, you know. There was a lot of things I had to do to stay lined up to that word and to see it fulfilled. And a lot of times people do not do that. The second thing that we often do with the prophetic is we judge too soon, which is answering your question, Jacqueline. Um, Chris probably got up. People had told him they declared Biden president. And Chris is going, oh, man, I, I got this wrong. I want to be accountable. I don't know because Chris didn't call me last night. 
but I, I, I know Chris, you know, I know enough of Chris and, and, and certainly have heard so much of his teachings on the prophetic to take responsibilities if you miss it. But I don't think Chris has missed it. And I think that's what happened. I think he found out, wait a minute, this isn't really over. The media, the problem is the media doesn't get to call the election. It has to, they have to be certified. Biden had 600 attorneys to contest if he had lost. And now he's acting like, how can Trump contest? Well, we know there's voter fraud. And this isn't what this thing's about. So I don't want to get into the the voter fraud stuff. I've done enough political posts these last weeks. So I'm going to try to stick here on the prophetic. Um, let's just look at the word of God. Um, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Now, this is, this is dealing with the prophetic. And it says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be a two or th two, or at most three, each in turn, to let one interpret. Okay? But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Now, let me ask you something. If you have, and this isn't dealing with prophetic, this is dealing with the prophets. In other words, who's speaking? It says here, let if you if if uh, the two or three prophets. So we got prophets speaking, and we got who's who he thinks judging <laughs> prophets. And what are they judging? Well, obviously they can't be judging if the words gonna if the words come to pass because they just gave it. How can they judge something when it hasn't happened or it's not even at its time yet? That is a great question. One of the best questions you've asked on this channel ever. So let me answer that for you. There are some criteria that as prophets, we judge. One, what's the spirit? Number one, what's the spirit? What, what, what is, can we tell, uh, can we sense the spirit of God when that person gave that prophetic word? Two, does it line up with scripture? Okay, does it line up with scripture? Three, does it line up with circumstances? And what I mean by that, let's just say, I saw a prophet one time say to somebody, uh, start prophesying, guys, and, and thought the girl next to him was his girlfriend, and said, "And she's gonna be your wife." And no, she was not his wife. You know, so circumstances didn't line up. Okay, and that can happen because you start assuming when you're hearing the word that it must be the person next to him. So that's where we can get in trouble as prophets. So avoid that. Um, so um, you know, sometimes when you're prophesying over one individual, you actually get something for their spouse. So it's really good to say, "Is your spouse here?" Why? So you don't get into that trap of assuming. Because whenever you assume, we're not assuming in the prophetic. We're hearing God and we're communicating what is his plans and his precepts for us. And so one of the mistakes that happens is we think we're supposed to judge at the end of the word or the end of the time frame. So let's take this election. Oh, I think come to pass. Well, number one, election's not over. Number two, um, you're not really, let's just say the word doesn't come to pass you're really not that prophetic or that have that much wisdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyone can judge, um, you know, it's easy to judge um, whether a plane's going to get off the ground by waiting to see if it gets off the ground. The question is, do you have the wisdom to know whether it's the word of the Lord before? Okay, so 
the prophets are sitting there. It says, but let their um, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So what's happening is you're in this meeting, this atmosphere. There's prophets speaking and the other prophets are going, you know, I testify to that word. People don't like that. People like to, you know, think prophets are supposed to be on an island or if it doesn't come to pass. By the way, in the Bible, the Bible in Deuteronomy says that if you have a dream or a dream and that dream or dream's words come to pass, but then he takes you to false gods, you're supposed to stone that guy because he's actually a false prophet because false prophets deal with the heart, not with the content. They deal with the heart. I'm trying to pull people towards me away from God to worship other gods. All right. So then it says, but if any thing is revealed to another who sits by so now there's other prophets sitting there and it gets revealed to them let the first keep silence so in other words we're prophesying and all of a sudden this person we do this all the time in the prophetic where one of us might start but two or three people jump in okay now i'm very gracious so i allow prophetic people to do that not just prophets but you can limit this you have the right to limit this to just prophets depending on the meeting there needs to be a real understanding of who is uh, around in that meeting for listen and here's the other one it says for you can all prophesy one by one that you may learn and all may be encouraged so who can prophesy everybody who's a prophet not everybody and that's important to understand we just go back to first corinthians 12 um you know where paul is talking about this diversity of gifting um but not all, not all, not all, I almost said, you know, all, y'all, uh, not all are actually uh, prophets and, or apostles. And God has, verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, evangelists, then, and, and then the gifts of healings, helps, administration, varieties, tongues. By the way, um, uh, the helps is the pastoral ministry. All right. Uh, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Now it doesn't mean that you can't pray and see miracles. The workers of miracles to me is like a Todd Bentley. That's a worker of miracles. Okay. Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? You know, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He's going to go through love. In other words, um, the motivation for having these gifts is love. Love to see that person delivered. Love to see that person healed. Love to see. And you have to work on this in your heart that it's not just about you want to be, you know, I want to do something so I can say I did something. That's not evil in any way because there's a, there's a natural thing in us by God that we want to um, serve him. And so we don't want to quelch that. It, it is not evil that you want to fulfill your destiny, that you want to be used of God. That is not evil at all. And so I don't want to tamper that down. What I want to do is just give you another perspective that why do I want to do those things? Is it for me or is it because that person needs them? And when it's for that person who needs them, then wanting to do them and the motivation of why I want to do them are lined up perfectly with Christ. And that's really, really important for us. So all can prophesy. I'm going to show you some, you know, that there, you know, you know, people don't understand that God, God does, um, um, remove promises. Oh, not our God. Well, let's see. 
when we're dealing with national words, when we're dealing with national words or nation-oriented words, there is a responsibility for the people to do righteously. Now listen, this is Jeremiah 18, um, verse 7. I want you to hear this because it's really important that we understand national words. And what I feel like we should have done with these prophetic words for the nation was God's will for America is Trump. And Trump's going to win if my now I, I know Charlie did this. I didn't have a word, but I kept on getting banged. You got to pray. This isn't this is going to be tight. We need to pray. We need to contend. There's warfare going on. Charlie gave a word, which I just listened to it recently, just this last week. I hadn't listened to it before. I, I knew someone had told me what he had said. But Charlie had said that uh, Trump was going to win a second term, but the church had to pray. There was going to be a battle. Good for him. Okay. Good for him. I did not hear Chris Fallotton's word, so I can't tell you what his words was. I know he did apologize. I know he did take it down because I think Trump, I think uh, Chris actually uh, was too quick. He judged things before before it's time, probably due to pressure on social media. Chris, you said Trump was going to win, and he didn't win. Da, 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 you're a false prophet, and then we want to be accountable. And sometimes, you know, look, I love accountability, but I'm first accountable to God, and when I know God has spoken to me. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to deny the voice of the Lord in my mouth. I'm kind of dogmatic that way. And the reason is, and I'm going to go before God. Just the same Lord who told me um, the word, I'm going to go back before and ask him if I missed it. If he says I missed it, then, you know, I, I, will, I will repent before him because I spoke in his name, uh, unright, you know, with, with wrongly. And I'm going to apologize to whoever I spoke that to. But what I'm not going to do is just have a knee-jerk reaction to social media. And it's really important that we don't have a knee-jerk reaction. I give prophetic words to a lot of people, but not everyone pursues them. And that's the troubling thing with us prophets. That's the thing that pains us the most is because people don't, they don't take those words. They don't transcribe those words. They don't pray into those words. They don't prepare for the outcome of those words. In other words, I was called to be a prophet. I started buying every book I could find on the prophetic. Okay? And, um, like, I mean, I, I've got so much. I probably, look, it's sad, but I probably spent about $40,000 in the pursuit of my calling to educate myself. Because I wasn't in a church that raised up prophets. Now, what are you going to do? Look, <laughs> I was called to be a prophet and was taught the kingdom in a church that didn't believe in the, the kingdom now and didn't uh, believe in prophets. That's where God called me. You know, I had to go outside. I had to go get my, you know, as Seinfeld said, I get my coffee on the outside. I had to go on the outside and, and find the answers to these things because I knew God was talking to me. And, and, and there is a time when God's talking to you um, that you're going to, you're going to get some doubt because everyone around you didn't hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not everyone heard what you heard. And sometimes you have to stand strong. It says this, 18 verse 7 of Jeremiah, The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up or pull it down or to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent. Of the disaster I thought bring upon it. Here's God saying, look, when I prophesy over a nation, speak concerning a nation, and they repent, I'll change what I spoke over them. Wait a minute. I thought you can't change the word. Because it's God's promise 
but it requires that we obey. So here's what he says. Now here's the next one. Um, he says, he says, verse nine, and the instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a king to build it up and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good, which I've said I would benefit it. That's very difficult for people to understand that God even himself said, I'll change what I spoke. I'll change the outcome. I will reverse it. Now, I'm not saying that's what he did here, but we, we've got to get a better grip on prophetic to thinking that um, that there isn't a responsibility. Look, when King Saul is prophesied to be king, he is king, but why is he a bad king? Because King Saul did not do everything that was told him. This is where we get in, I think it's uh, 1 Samuel 15, um, obedience is better than sacrifice because he's he wants to sacrifice sheep because you know uh it'll be wonderful to him it'll look good too he says it even says that he feared the people and therefore he started sacrificing the sheep read first samuel 15 and he says he says to samuel through through uh, samuel to saul through the prophet samuel he says this has the lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and the stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, that word rebellion uh, is actually the word bitterness. Okay? So what happens to people when you get bitter? You actually rebel. And that's why it says you're defiled by the root of bitterness in Hebrews chapter 12. So you don't want to do that. So, so it's really important that he tells Samuel, he says, you're going to go from here, you're going to go from here, you're going to go from here, and this is what's going to happen. It all comes to pass. But he says, you wait until I come, and I will sacrifice. And Sam, a soul doesn't wait, and, and he gets in trouble, <laughs> okay? Gets in trouble twice, and then God chooses him. And this is why I want you to understand. God has a plan for America, and I believe it's still holiness, righteousness, and an awakening. But just like Saul where God let him be king for 40 years, even though he was unrighteously wicked, and that he even attacked David and everything he did. And he was, even though he was head and shoulders above the rest around him, he had low self-esteem and low identity. And um, he, um, he then says, uh, to him, now the guy, let's, well, let's go there. It's, I just turned back from it, but let's go there. First Samuel um, 16. Now, I love the heart. Um, uh, um, well, let's go to uh, uh, 15, verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. You know, I want to tell you something. God, I wrote a book um, a long time ago, and I pulled it because I didn't like the quality of it. Um, I didn't have a really good uh, publisher and stuff like that. And I really need to find one, re refine that book. But um, the first chapter was, it was, it was supposed to be the, be called the, the throne of Saul. But because Saul did not obey God, uh, God looks for another king. And 
and and you will you will see that um, verse chapter sixteen. Uh, God comes to Samuel again and says, How long will you mourn for Saul? Verse 1, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Now, I want you to understand that. This is uh, two years into the reign of Saul. All right? And it is eight years before David is born. And I can do the math and show it to you. Saul reigned 40 years. David takes his throne at year 30. Okay? So you got you can do the math. Okay? And... He says, how long will you mourn for Saul? See, I've rejected him from reigning. So now he's going to go. Now this is way into Samuel's chapter 15 is two. There's a lot of gaps in the book of Samuel. Okay. Because he rejects Saul in the second year, but he calls to David. Now David's a young man. You know what, folks? That's like 25 years gap. That, listen, that gap represents what happens when authority does not listen to God. You get a gap in the timeline. You get a gap of the voice of the Lord in the earth. And that happened here. Happened between uh, Malachi and the Gospels of 400 years. Okay, you get these gaps of because they were not fellowshipping and worshiping God rightly. So how long were you mourned for soul saying I rejected him? From reigning over Israel, fill your horn of oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king. I love that. I love going back and forth um, uh, between these two things and understanding what um, uh, what has gone out of Samuel uh, or, or for uh, Samuel, what God has told him um, when God says, for I have found for myself a man after my own heart. That was in the future. Huh. Uh, that was in the future. David's not born yet. So what does God do when he has a nation that he really has blessing for, um, um, he really has a blessing for that nation and a promise to the righteous people of that nation, but, but they're not obeying. Well, it's what we have in, in uh, 1, Samuel, uh, four, uh, 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. For now your kingdom... Well, let's go. This is... Um, uh, listen to this. Because this was, should have been the kingdom of Saul. Listen. Verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. It should have been the kingdom of Saul. God didn't have this plan of Saul's failure. God maneuvered because of Saul's failure. God can do that. See, God has good plans concerning me and you. But if we decide not to pursue God and not obey the voice of the Lord and not obey the prophetic words in our life and pursue them, then God just waits. So now he goes, listen, the next verse. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. That was David. Now, this is year two of King Saul's reign. David is eight years away. We just go 14, 15, 16. We find ourselves now, David is a young boy. I think David is somewhere between 12 and 14. I think he's actually 12 because um, when Samuel, this is my belief. Now, some people don't agree with this, but just my belief. Um, uh, when, when he's anointing the king, 
or, or the sons, and he's trying to anoint them, and God hasn't chosen any of them. It says, um, and Samuel said to Jesse, verse 11, 1 Samuel 16, are all these young men here? Then he said, there remains yet a youngster, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, send uh, and bring him, for he has not sit down, we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, good looking, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Um, there's a reason why David is in the field, and I believe because this seat of honor was only for those who have been bar mitzvahed. That's just my belief. And because it follows the pattern of Jesus. Jesus at the age 12, Jesus at the age of 30. And it follows that pattern of preparation for David to be king. If America decides not to obey the voice of the Lord, then we have many righteous in America. And that's what, by the way, all you righteous folk out there are the pillars holding up this nation. It's not, it's, it's not Congress. It's not the Senate. It's not the mainstream media. It's the righteous who keep crying out for God and literally is holding up uh, the nation that it hasn't crumbled completely. Um, and um, I think we need to stop supporting some of the things we support. Like, by the way, I mean, I am off. Uh, I, I have an Apple TV and I got rid of even my YouTube streaming uh, where we don't have any more live TV, which means I no longer support Fox or any of those channels. I don't support ESPN, any of those channels. I don't I don't support any of them. And my attitude is I don't need you as much as you need me. I don't need the football. I could care less about it. I don't need any of that. This week is the Masters. God bless the Masters. They have an app. They have an app on the TV. You can sit there and watch it right on the app. And that's what I do, by the way. When, um, when I watch the Masters, I do not watch it uh, on, uh, on any of the other channels. Because, and you go, why? Because that's their God. Their God and their temple is money. And, and the only way that you to really to bring that down is stop bringing the money. And Fox has lost like a lot of people. And but you have to, you can't just say I'm never watching Fox anymore. That doesn't work. Because they're still getting money for the package. You have to literally get rid of the streaming package, get rid of Comcast or ATT, whatever you have that's your that's your box set thing, and get rid of if you have a streaming service, you have to get rid of it if you really want to affect them. I'm not telling you to do that. That's what I did. But that's how you did it. And by the way, it's hurt the NBA, it's hurt MLB. And they have to know that we, we're not, this is not our nation. You're not taking our nation in this direction. You have ignored Christians for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, just ignored our pleas for righteousness and for, you know, for, for sound doctrine. You have ignored it and you have shoved garbage down our throats left and right. And Christians just keep keeping the God alive by putting their money in it. And so you need to stop that if you're, if you want to have an effect on that. Okay. And so I still have my streamings. I still, and I, and, and um, we watch a couple shows on uh, Netflix, but what I'm thinking about doing is just buying those on iTunes and this way I can get rid of my Netflix account. But because Netflix had Cuties, which was just a gross, sick show. I don't know of any of them that are pure. That's the other issue. None of them are really pure, but I really think Fox... I've been prophesying, I've been speaking about this for three months, why Fox went left. And um, so check out some of my other videos recently. I talked about it, that they were left because Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney's friend, 
Paul Ryan is on the board of Fox and he pushed, he's anti-Trumper and he's pushing Trump, Trump to the left. Neil Cavuto has been an anti-Trumper. Chris Wallace is a Democrat. You know, Neil Cavuto who's making all this money in the stock market hates Trump. Why? Because Trump speaks against the media. That's all their friends. You understand? This is all their friends. They all hang out together. They all are in the same thing together. And you know what? They don't like going to these places and having uh, people look at them because they work at Fox. They want to have those avenues, doors open in their occupation. And we just keep supporting them. I'm telling you, we are more powerful uh, than you think. And, and we have to do that by not catering to all the leftists that are out there. So uh, that's how I do it. That's what I did. Everyone should make up their own mind on that, of course. But the prophetic is not a guarantee that it's going to come to pass. It's a uh, pathway to your promises. It's telling, it's giving you words that are to help to anchor you. But if you think you can get there without work, if you can get there without labor, people go, well, I got to be in rest. Rest is from um, trying to become righteous. Rest is not mean, does not mean I don't have to work. It means I'm no longer working for righteousness. It doesn't mean I no longer work, because that would mean evangelist and, you know, what, what, what do apostles do? Well, we don't work. Well, you know, I just, someone props me up on Sunday morning and I just preach. But I don't prepare, I don't pray, I don't, that's not what it means. Rest, labor and rest in that context is not talking about me working and bringing the kingdom. It means me stop, I'm, I'm, I've ended the law where I had to do all these things to be righteous. I had to sacrifice a bull, I had to, I had to do all these different things for my righteousness. And I've rested from that. And I now receive the full blessing of the Son of God as my sacrifice and my resurrected King who now sits on the right hand of God. I, I We got to stop thinking rest means no labor. We're going to have to work our tails off, okay? And and that's what we have to do. And so it's very important that, um, you know, we understand that, okay? It's very important that we understand what we're doing, how we're doing it, and... Um, it would really behoove us if we did that. Uh, someone used that. I think it was Rich Oliver. Someone used behoove. And I said, I don't want to be behooved by anybody. But that's why you need to understand. Some people sit there for 20 years. They go, my word's not coming to pass. I go, what have you been doing about it? I've just been waiting on God. Well, that was silly. David didn't wait on God. Now, David didn't try to take the throne because of the honor for the king. But David didn't wait on God to do nothing. David became a prince. David fought Goliath. Okay? We, we sometimes think, think that everything's just going to happen without preparation. Look, if you're going to be a doctor, if God's called you to be a doctor, and some of you have been called to be a doctor, you can't say, I'm going to do nothing. <laughs> you're not going to be a doctor. You're not going to be a doctor I go to. Uh, how'd you become a doctor? Well, God called me. Well, that's awesome. Did you go to school? No, no, I'm resting. I'm in rest. I didn't, I didn't want to actually labor for that. That's what people do with the fivefold ministry callings. And that's foolishness to you. So uh, that's what I got for you today. And the prophetic is just understand that your responsibility and understand that God can turn a word for a nation. I don't believe he has done that. Don't get me wrong. But he can wait for another generation because this generation, you know, it just doesn't hurt bad enough for this generation yet to really get to work. You know, it's like the, the guy's out, you know, on the porch with his tea. His friend comes on, this old man just rocking his chair on the porch. 
just rock. And the man comes out and he would talk to him. And his dog's sitting there. His dog starts going, Rrr. And the guy looks down, looks at the old man, just rocking. The man doesn't move. Just keeps rocking. Dog goes, Rrr. Finally, after about third or fourth time, the man goes, man, is everything all right with your dog? And the man goes, no. He's sitting on a nail. Well, why doesn't he move? Doesn't hurt bad enough yet. That's the church. We, we sometimes only get motivated when it hurts really bad. And you don't want to ever get to the point it hurts really bad because it hurts really bad. So we have to learn how to, in the blessing of God, labor properly. We're going to have to labor for the next, for every election from here on out until we vanquish our enemy. And I really mean that. What I mean by vanquish, we need to get control of the schools. We need to get control of the media. We need to get control. We need a godly news station, not an alternative news station, but a God-fearing news station. That's what we need. Amen? Amen. All right, folks. I hope that uh, blesses you. Uh, again, subscribe, like, share. Love you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>